there are more opportunities and openings for you than there have been in a really long time. So you need to leverage those. There's more money available. Salaries are inflating. If you've been someplace for three, four years, you've gotten 2% increases. There's more money out there from other employers hiring for the same job. Absolutely. That was Dave Nurse speaking about what an incredible time this is for many job seekers. As you'll hear, it's also a great time for executive recruiters and those who are looking for opportunities in the world of executive recruiting. Executive recruiting and the opportunities it is and will create will be our focus on this episode, episode number 105 of Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. If that describes you, then this is the podcast for you. If you're a freelancer, a startup or small business, a well-established company, a nonprofit, or even someone thinking about a second or possibly a third career, this is for you too. You see, here in Looking Forward, we focus on global trends in the future, but most importantly, on the opportunities they're creating. Yes, we're all about opportunities here. Our guest experts will not only tell you about those opportunities, they will also give you some tips to help you take the first steps toward capitalizing on them. I'm your host, Jeff Ostroff. Hi, everyone. Today, we're going to speak about an industry that's been crushing it of late. And as you'll hear from my guest expert, that trend is likely to continue for a while. I'm speaking about executive recruiting. In my conversation with our featured guest expert, you're going to learn about such things as what executive recruiting is, what trends are affecting the industry these days, and what opportunities are to be found in the world of executive recruiting now and at least through the rest of this decade. And trust me, there are a boatload of them, including for investors. Finally, in typical looking forward fashion, whether you're a job seeker or someone who wants to provide services to executive recruiters, you're going to get some great tips on how to go about capitalizing on those opportunities. To share all this important information with us, we've brought on an outstanding guest expert in the executive recruiting industry. He's Dave Nurse. Dave Nurse is the president of NPA Worldwide Recruitment Network. Since 2006, Dave has led this 65-year-old member-owned cooperative to a position of one of the largest and most successful organizations in its industry. NPA Worldwide now includes member firms on six continents and more than 42 different countries. Under Dave's leadership, the membership has grown to over 550 members and annual shared revenues will exceed $11 million this year. Dave has been a speaker and presenter at numerous recruitment-focused events, including the Recruitment Agency Expo in London, the National Association of Personnel Services Annual Conference in the United States, and most recently at NBA Worldwide Conferences on five continents. Well, hi, Dave. Welcome to Looking Forward Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. Hi, Jeff. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. 
Well, it's a pleasure to have you, at least for two reasons, Dave. Number one is I know you know your stuff. Unlike some of the guests I speak with, and I've had more than 75 guests on Looking Forward, you're one of the people I've actually had a chance to get to know a little bit before we actually do a show together. The second reason, of course, is that you're from my home city of Philadelphia, and you're an Eagles and a Phillies fan, and that makes you already at the top of the heap. There you go. So I'm used to seeing a lot of losing, and I'm always hopeful for the future. (laughs) Exactly. Dave, you're an expert on executive recruiting. Not everybody who listens to this podcast may know what executive recruiting is. How would you define it for us? Yeah, let me give it a go, try to simplify it for people. So there's basically two types of recruitment I would consider that are kind of well-known in the industry. And one would be more on the staffing side. Staffing would be a lot of people for events or for hospitality or what would typically be considered manufacturing blue-collar jobs. And then there's uh, what I consider executive professional recruitment, which a lot of cases gets lumped into executive recruitment. There are some firms that really work way upscale, Jeff, in terms of all they work is CEOs and presidents and boards of directors. And sometimes they package themselves as executive search exclusively. But for the most part, recruiters are working executive professional which is white collar in the office, ranges anywhere from administrator to CEO. You know, there's some contract assignments in there on occasion, but for the most part, it's what we used to call permanent placement. You can't say that anymore. It's called direct hire nowadays. And the salaries range anywhere from about 30,000 to, you know, sometimes as much as 3 million or more. Well, this is very interesting because I must tell you, I wasn't exactly sure myself And I was thinking it might be solely C-suite, but it's not. Right, Dave? Well, I mean, there are firms, some large firms that specialize exclusively in C-suite jobs. And they get paid. There's different ways of getting paid in this business as a recruiter. You get paid on a retainer, which means that you're hired. Think of sports and the big coaching job. When somebody is hired to go find a new coach for a team, they're paid on a retainer. And they have a lot of time and expertise. And all they do is they work head coaches. They're not working assistant coaches. They're not working people working in the weight room. They're working head coaches. There are firms that work that way in what would be considered executive search too. But I'd say they're few and far between compared to the average recruiter, which does executive professional work and works the whole scope of what's in the office. Okay. Thanks for clarifying that, Dave. I'm always curious, and I know there are a lot of listeners who are equally curious to find out how people get involved in what they're doing. How did you get interested in executive recruiting? Well, strangely enough, I got recruited into it. (laughs) And, And honestly, the three best jobs that I've had were always represented to me by a recruiter. So I was pretty familiar with recruiting. I saw value in what recruiters do. I understood that recruiters had what would typically be considered invisible jobs. These are not the jobs that are being published on LinkedIn or Indeed or in the newspaper or on the radio. These are jobs that they exclusively have. And three of my best jobs came from that. And in fact, the one that I'm currently in, I'm running a recruitment network and I was recruited by three executive recruiters in a two-hour interview session that kind of sprung out of a get-to-know-you call. So pretty uh, interesting. But I have 
good respect for what recruiters do. And it's led me into the field that I'm currently in. And what better way to be representing a large organization like NPA Worldwide is than having firsthand had experience in dealing with executive recruiters. Dave, what are some of the trends that you're seeing in the world of executive recruiting in which you operate? There are a lot of new things happening, Jeff, and I'll touch on a lot of them. If there's any you want to dig into more thoroughly, let me know. One of the things that's going on right now is the demand for talent is extremely high. The availability of talent is extremely low. So a trend is that what used to be for a recruiter, find 25 people and one of those 25 would end up accepting your job. Those mathematics of that have changed dramatically. Mm. It's not like more like one in 125. So you might have to talk to 125 people in order to locate the one that will accept your job. So that's a big trend in terms of how it's changing. So recruiters are casting broader nets to find more people, to find talent in different places. There's a trend towards diversity, driven both by companies who want diverse candidates, as well as just a a natural progression of trying to figure out how to bring more people into the nets that you're casting. There's a trend towards signing bonuses that we're seeing. I'm not sure how long this one's going to last, but I would say in the last year and a half or so, I've seen and heard of more signing bonuses than I've ever heard of in the 16 plus years that I've been doing this. That's a, a good thing for candidates and maybe not such a great thing for clients or employers, but it's certainly good for the candidates. Salary inflation is very real. I can think back about 10 years ago, there used to be a handful of my members in the recruitment network, NPA Worldwide who would work $100,000 plus jobs. And that was considered to be kind of an elite category of big jobs. Guess what? Everybody's working $100,000 plus jobs now. (laughs) So if you're a seasoned engineer lead that's been on a job for five years, you're making 110 grand. I mean, it's just, it's crazy what's happened there. A lot more flexibility in terms of the jobs that people are hiring for, Jeff. So location has kind of gotten blurry. Used to be, you're going to work for this company. Here's the street they're located on. Here's the door you're going to come in. Guess what? That doesn't happen so often anymore. People are working from home. They're working remotely, which is a really important factor for recruiters because it expands the number of candidates available to fill any job. It used to be you had to find people within 20, 25 miles of where the job was so that they would live with the commute. Now you can get somebody who is in a different country or in a different part of the world completely and still fill the job. Salary transparency is something that's being hoisted upon the industry in a big way. And that means that they want employers to say exactly what the salary range is or exactly what the job's going to pay. They also don't want employers and or recruiters asking people what their salary history was. And it comes from kind of the glass ceilings that have been created over time. Somebody starts low. Somebody starts at a $30,000 base. It's hard for them to ever get to 150 grand. If there are no parameters, you don't know what they've been making, but you know what the job pays and they have the skills to do it. There's no reason you can't move from a $50,000 base to an $80,000 base in one move. That's just not difficult in today's world. There's laws and regulations, New York City leading the way, California leading the way. A couple other states are putting laws in place to demand that uh, you have salaries listed in job offerings, all sorts of things happening there. 
in addition to that, I think there's a trend towards what would be considered more retained or engaged search. So a lot of recruiters worked on a commissioned only when successful basis for years and years. It's called contingent search. And I would work on your job, Jeff. I would send over 10 people. You would say, no, thanks, no, thanks, no, thanks. And when you're all said and done, unless you hired one of the people I sent you, I didn't get paid a penny. So I worked for free until you hired one of my people. That's not really a productive method moving forward because so much work has to go into finding those people. I have to be compensated in some way for what I'm doing. So that's the, the trend towards more of an engaged or retained method. A lot of counter offers happening right now. Don't know that that will continue forever. Employers are working on retaining their employees. And because of that, they're willing to come back and offer you increased salary levels, more vacation, flexible work arrangements, you know, whatever it was that was bothering you and caused you to move. A lot of cases, they're willing to take a look at those and remove those obstacles so that you will stay because it's going to cost them more to replace you than it would to keep you. Technology is impacting all industries, but probably none as much as recruitment. You know, there's AI tools, there's all sorts of technology tools that are starting to influence the industry. And the candidate experience, which is what it feels like to be a candidate and get recruited, is more of a focal point than it ever was in the past. And the reason for that is that candidates want to be treated well. They deserve to be treated well. And they have not been treated well historically by the recruitment industry on the whole. If you go out and you Google something like a recruiter is, and then you look at like what gets suggested by um, Google in return for that, there's a lot of bad publicity about recruiters. In any case, it's always going to be 5 to 15% of the people are the bad folks. But there's a lot bad reputation for recruiters. Recruiters are working on it diligently. That's a lot of stuff. Sounds to me almost like what the real estate market has been. It's a seller's market in real estate. I guess it's kind of like a seller's market as well. Yeah, we call it a candidate-driven market. So yeah, candidates are in control. There are more jobs than there are candidates to fill them. Why the one in 125? How much of this, Dave, is COVID-driven? Or was this happening before COVID? Yeah, it was starting to happen. It's demographic-driven, Jeff. I mean, there's immense studies that have been done on this. Demographics are such the baby boomers are leaving and millennials are now the largest generational influence on the employment market, which a lot of people wouldn't recognize that. Boomers are leaving more than two and a half million a month are leaving, retiring, leaving the workplace. So there's a demographic drought that is happening. And that's in the U.S. in particular, but around the world in most developed countries, there's a drought of people. And that means that there's going to be harder work ahead to find the talent that you need to work your job. Makes a lot of sense. For many years, as you may know, Dave, it was in the middle third of my career, particularly, I focused on the demographics of an aging population. How do you market to people over 50? I think when I turned 50, I lost interest in marketing (laughs) to people over 50. But anyway, I saw the handwriting on the wall. It was so predictable what was going to happen. So this all makes sense to me. Now, when we think about the various trends you've spoken about, 
I'd like you to talk about whether or not they are having an impact globally, because I know you travel all over the world, which is another reason why I really wanted to get you on here. Are the trends more focused in a given area, developed countries? Or again, is it pretty much constant around the world? These are the changes. I don't care where you live, Africa, Europe, wherever it might be. Yeah, I would say it kind of depends on the actual trend, Jeff. From my experience, MPA is a global network. So we have members in more than 40 countries. I'd say we're working on jobs in probably more than 60 countries. We've done placements in certainly close to 60 countries around the world. So these trends, for the most part, are global trends. And the demographic, for the most part, in developed countries are trends that exist. In some developing countries, I think there's stronger population growth that will overcome some of the demographic drought that's happening in more developed countries, but certainly not in the developed countries in Europe, Latin America even, and in North America. And in Asia, there's uh, similar issues in a lot of countries also. But I would say things like legislation, that tends to start in the U.S. and it rolls to other places. So you can usually say that a law that's new and not been seen before usually either starts in New York, California, Massachusetts, and then rolls to other places. But there are other things that happen globally. So we have a lot of members in Australia, and Australia has its own issues, and they will drive things that we end up seeing here. Same thing in UK, like uh, what they would call privacy laws, GDPR. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I'm guessing that you are because of your, your reach you have with your, your podcast. Uh, you have to have the authority of somebody to email them and to keep their records on file in the European Union countries. Mm. That will roll here. It's not here in an official way yet, but it will roll here. It's already started to roll into Australia with some of the privacy laws they have there. So things kind of start in niche markets and then expand from there. I really hope you're enjoying this episode so far. If you are, can you please do me a small favor? Let some of your family members, friends, or others in your network know about it and about looking forward opportunities for job, career, business, and investment seekers. And hey, if you happen to like this podcast, my interviewing approach, or maybe even my voice, please consider checking out some of the many services my business provides. These include podcast hosting, creation, and consulting, voiceovers, professional interviewing, production of audio or video profiles to help you sell your business, promote your services, increase your customers, or raise funding, event hosting and meeting facilitation, and services to help you market to the large and growing seniors population. That's something I've actually written a book about. To learn more, please visit www.jeff-ostroff.com. You can also email me at jeff at jeff-ostroff.com. Now let's get back to this episode of Looking Forward, opportunities for job, career, business, and investment seekers. You've set the stage well by talking about the trends, Dave. As you know, the thrust of this program is opportunities. What opportunities, and we're speaking again worldwide, do you think executive recruiting offers to any of these groups? job and career seekers, entrepreneurs, freelancers, small businesses, or investors. 
Well, let's start with job seekers. That one works well for what we're doing. I would say it's a little bit like somebody who's thinking about selling their home. There hasn't been a better time (laughs) than what we're facing right now. I mean, I think it's starting to cool a little bit, but, and I would say same thing to some degree on employment. It's cooling a little bit, but it's still pretty hot. So there are more opportunities and openings for you than there have been in a really long time. So you need to leverage those. There's more money available. Salaries are inflating. If you've been someplace for three, four years, you've gotten 2% increases. There's more money out there from other employers hiring for the same job. Absolutely. There are more options for you in terms of how you would be able to work as a job seeker. If you want to work hybrid, if you want to work exclusively remote, if you want to work in an office all the time. I mean, I think almost all of them are open to you and they are now points of negotiation. They were not points of negotiation for the last 100 years, but they are now points of negotiation. So lots of opportunity for job seekers, more money, more opportunities. It's time to start thinking about it. As it relates to entrepreneurs, Jeff, I would say that There are franchises available in recruitment. Our particular organization is not a franchised organization, but uh, you can get a franchise. You can buy into a franchise. There are support services that you could provide to the recruitment industry that would be great opportunities. So if you do marketing, advertising, if you, you know, do anything from tech support security, I mean, they're, they're all things that recruiters need. And they'll be in a better position to pay for them than they've ever been based on some of the record years that recruiters are having. And you can also get into the business if you should choose as an entrepreneur. Freelancers, I think, again, I mean, if you're writing content, recruiters are trying to socially brand themselves. If you have marketing skills, if you have art skills, you can be creating logos and programs for them and billboards and all sorts of things that recruiters are ready, willing, and able to pay for nowadays compared to maybe where they were five years ago. Small businesses. I think the opportunity for small businesses to consider if you've never done it before, if you have a key role within your your business and there's no place that employees are more important than in small business, you might want to think about using a qualified recruiter to help you narrow down the talents that's coming to you. If you used to just place advertisements, you know, your time is worth money and you're probably not an expert at doing that. Let somebody else kind of narrow the field for you. So you see three quality candidates that they can prove to you have a track record of delivering in the space that you're looking to hire somebody. It will cost you money, but you're leveraging your most important asset which is people. So I would say small businesses should use recruiters. Investors, I think there's a lot of things in the industry, Jeff, that people could look at from an investment standpoint. There's big companies. I printed off a list of the some of the capital services, the largest ones by market cap, almost $100 billion for just maybe the top 20 or something like that. But there's companies like Recruit Holdings in Japan that owns Indeed. There's companies like Hudson, which is a global recruiter. Robert Half is more North American focused, but they do traditionally have done things like um, accounting and finance, but they do a lot of things now. 
Adeco, which does a lot of temporary and staffing type work. Hayes, another global recruiter. Kelly Services used to be considered administrative stuff, but they do everything all over the board. K-Force, which is really high in the uh, technology sector. They're all public companies that you can invest in. So there's uh, certainly opportunity there. And then there's support services that go along the industries that you could take a look at. Things like LinkedIn, of course, that's owned by Microsoft. So <laughs> a little bit of a watered down play on recruitment when you buy into Microsoft, I suppose. But ZipRecruiter, I think, is a publicly traded company. Seek mm. is a publicly traded company. Seek is the equivalent of Indeed in Australia, New Zealand. It's S-S-E-E-K, and they hold it like a 95% market share for job advertisements in Australia, New Zealand. It's the first thing you do if you have an opening in Australia. There's peripheral services that would allow you to invest in them if you really wanted to do the, the recruitment play. Surprisingly so, it's been a great couple of years. This last year has been remarkably strong. But with demographics being what they are, there's really not a big reason other than just the complete collapse of business that would really point to the fact that recruitment's going to go on a downward trend. I mean, it's going to be tough, but it's going to be good for a long time into the future. I must say, Dave, you're one of the few guests who's ever been able to speak to opportunities for every one of the groups that I mentioned. A lot of times the guests really won't be able to talk as much about the investment opportunities, but boy, there are a lot of them I was not aware of Seek. Mm -hmm. I'm beginning to think that maybe I should take a full-time job. Sounds like this is the time. I missed my well, calling. <laughs> I did think about that a little bit, but Looking out in the future, I mean, I, I think if you're, uh, and this would be for job seekers, changes in employment, like changes in industry, changes in job types are not what recruiters want to work with you on. Recruiters want to find people who are already doing what it is they need. You know, in the top 10% of the people doing that, they don't want to find somebody who's a school teacher and make them a salesperson. They don't want to find a salesperson and making them an accountant. That isn't what they do. But do they want to find the best accountant? Yes, they do. Do they want to find the best salesperson? Yes, they do. That's what they do. But there's opportunity for people who are perhaps in sales and haven't really considered recruitment as a sales profession. It is absolutely a sales profession. And the commissions that you get on each placement, these are the fees that you collect, can be substantial. So, I mean, there's a lot of people who are what I would consider running lifestyle businesses. They work really hard when times are good and they might make 200, 400,000, a half million dollars in revenue annually. They have relatively low expenses because you don't need a lot of equipment or things. You need to buy services and things like that. It's a good return on investment if you know what you're doing. It's going to take you a while to get good at it. So just like any sales profession, I think, most salespeople don't walk in and become the lead salesperson within three months or six months. Sometimes it's a two-year soak before you really understand it. And then you start to gain traction and you can really do well. Recruitment is like that also. And there are opportunities for people who want to get into the industry. Very helpful information. So expansive, the opportunities. I love that information you gave about Recruiters aren't looking to take on people who are looking to make a big career change. Thank you for that. Looking Forward, as you know, is also called Looking Forward. 
because we're looking into the future. It's positive. We're looking forward and we're also looking into the future. So as we look into the future, you touched on that a little bit with the demographics as they are and as they will be. What's your best guess, Dave, as to how executive recruiting is going to evolve through the rest of this decade? We're not going to ask you to project out any further than that. So, Jeff, the demise of recruitment has been predicted for years and years since the onset of Monster in the late 1990s. They said recruitment is going to go away. I disagree. It's here to stay. The demographics say that it's here to stay. You always are going to need for certain jobs. You're going to need to engage somebody, talk to them, understand what they're feeling, why they want to change, sell them on why they're going to do it. It's not going to happen through AI. It's not going to happen through matching programs. You're going to have to interrupt somebody's thinking and talk them through it. It's an emotional decision to leave an employer and to go to another employer. Recruiters fulfill on that role. They are the market makers in that space and they need to be used that way. So that's, they're around. And I would say other than that, I mean, there's, there's shifts that are happening. We already talked about it. Boomers are leaving in big numbers. Women have left the workforce in remarkable numbers during this pandemic. So they're either going to come back or they're going to have to be replaced. We'll see what happens there. So in the years ahead, it's going to be a fight for talent. People are going to have to do harder work to maintain and retain the employees that they have and to find new ones when they choose to grow. What about people having to come back into the office more regularly? And how will that affect executive recruiting? I'm less concerned about executive recruiting than I am about real estate markets, but I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of companies have gotten comfortable with sort of a a hybrid. There are companies who are trying to force it. And as they force it, they find that they are losing people. So I think companies will, unless there's good reason. I mean, if you work in a factory, you have to go into the factory, right? But if you're an engineer working for a factory, maybe you don't need to be there five, six days a week. So there's some things are going to happen. So I I think it's remote work is going to continue to be a reality. And with that, the more remote it is, the more opportunity it creates for recruiters to source people outside your home market. So if you're in Philadelphia, as you are, Jeff, and you need somebody to do something, you used to look in the suburbs of Philadelphia, you probably wouldn't go as far as Allentown because it's too far. But now guess what? Allentown is completely doable because you never go into the office. Guess what? Maine is completely doable. Guess what? India is doable. Guess what? Australia is doable. So it's changing, going to change the world in terms of where employees come from, how teams work, and how employers find talent. I think that's the future we're headed towards, with the exception of things where you have to be on site. Yeah, good point. And I would just echo what you've just said there, Dave. I finally got around several episodes ago to finding somebody help me with some of the audio editing aspect of my podcast. And he is in Serbia. (laughs) And I'm dealing with people with my podcast and distributing it in Africa. And they are in Lagos, Nigeria. It's a small world after all. Disney just said it ahead of time, right? Yeah. What tips? Can you give our listeners, no matter where they live, they could be in Nigeria, they could be in Serbia, wherever they are, on what they need to do to tap into one or more of the opportunities you've mentioned. You don't have to cover all of them, Dave. You cover the landscape. I'm going to focus on one, and that's the job seeker. Sure. The other folks, uh, they they know what they need to do. I already mentioned 
some of them for small business, et cetera. But for job seekers, you need to have a current resume or CV. Don't wait until somebody asks you for it. Start working on it. And if you think that you're interested in a different job or expanding your income through moving, get a resume, get a CV, have a professional help you write it if you need to. Have somebody certainly spell check it for you. Develop a relationship with an industry segmented, focused recruiter. If you are accounting finance person, find somebody who places accounting finance people. Don't find somebody who is a generalist. Don't find somebody who does engineers and accountants and administrators. Find somebody who works on accountants. And you want to develop a relationship. You want them to know who you are, what you're currently doing, uh, what would make you consider a move, what kind of ranges you're looking for in terms of compensation or benefits or what kind of hours off you need or work environment that you want, but start doing that. Benchmark your salary. Figure if you are at market, behind market, ahead of market. There are ways to do that. Lots of tools on the web that can help you do that. Become comfortable talking with and engaging with your manager, your employer about your value, your results, your worth in the business. Because if you don't talk to them, they're not going to address giving you more money or improving your work situation or increasing vacation time, relaxing where you can work and when you can work. You got to start talking to them. So be engaged. Hopefully you have a manager that's uh, willing to listen and engage with you. You don't want to be an annoyance, but at the same point, you don't want to be the quiet one that no one ever hears from. Consider investment in industry and support tools if you're somebody who is in a business and uh, outside of being a job seeker, if you're in a business and if you can provide tools to the industry, there's a lot of opportunity. There will be a lot in the next 10 years. So stay after it. Great tips. Quick follow-up. If I'm an accountant and I want to laser in on those executive recruiting firms who focus on that. Easy to find that out? Most Google searches would take you to someplace. And what you want to do is look at their site, make sure they have a practice group that focuses on accounting and finance. If it says we're generalists and it, it says they do everything from you know hospitality, cleaning crews to people who work in stadiums, and they also do executive CEOs, then eh, they're probably not yours. But if you find somebody that says, we work the accounting and finance space. This is what we do. Then that's a good fit. That's a good fit. It's a great suggestion. Well, what I'd like to do now, Dave, is have you let everybody know how they can get in touch with you to learn more about you, NPA Worldwide, how they might use your services. Before you answer, though, I want to give a special shout out to Steve Young, who's been a guest on the show, who connected me with Dave Nurse. Dave, You've been a fantastic guest. Please let people know how they can find out more about you and MPA Worldwide. Sure. MPA Worldwide is a network of 550 plus independent recruiters. So it's 550 other businesses. We can put you in contact with the right one. So for example, if you're looking for accounting finance people, we can direct you there. The site is npaworldwide.com and you'll learn a lot about us there. If you're an employer, you would want to look at our employer site, which is NPAWorldWideWorks.com. And NPA as in Nancy Paul Apple, in case I'm mumbling. <laughs> um, and then for job seekers, you want to look at jobs.npaworldwide.com. 
com. And you want to go there. You want to set up a profile and you want to set up some alerts to get jobs that are of interest to you delivered to your inbox on a regular basis. So it's really pretty simple. We'll nudge you when there's something that comes up that looks like it would be of interest to you based on what you share with us. Excellent. I want you to add one more thing in there. I know that MPA Worldwide is worldwide. Can you give us and the listeners a sense as to where you are worldwide? Don't name every country. Where are you? Sure. Almost two-thirds of our membership is North America, which would be U.S., Canada, and Mexico. We have almost 100 members in Australia, New Zealand. We have about 75 members in Asia, which is a big geography to cover, but we're in a lot of countries in Asia. We have about 50 members in Europe, Middle East, and Africa. We have about a dozen members in Latin America. So we are every place but Antarctica. We are there. (laughs) Okay. Dave, this has been fantastic. Very enlightening. I learned a lot. I hope that our listeners are also learning a lot from the things you said. Some great practical tips, some exciting opportunities. Thank you so much for being a guest and looking forward to opportunities for job, career, business, and investment seekers. Go Eagles! Yeah! (laughs) You take care now. Okay, bye for now, Jeff. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. I hope you've enjoyed it and will benefit from it. And if you did like it, please share this episode with anyone you know who you think might also find it of value. And if you have any comments or questions about Looking Forward or any suggestions for future topics or guest experts, you can reach me at the website www.jeff-ostroff.com or through my email address jeff at jeff-ostroff.com. Thanks.